The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. On with the show. A jump on it. Jump, 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 jump on it. A drink of water. Mm. Drink of water. Bite a chicken. Drink of water. Bite a chicken. Take a chicken. Okay, guys. Jared's back. Mm-hmm. This is the Cat and Cloud Podcast. This is the Copernicus. This is the Porky Pig. It's Porky Pig Podcast. Deal with it. We're here. Deal with it. Deal with it. It's Friday. It's Friday the Friday the whatever Friday you're listening to this on. So you choose your own adventure. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Just listen on I'm Friday. I'm just here to tell you the right way to do it. Okay? So thanks, everyone, for the positive feedback on Jared's birthday. That was great. It really helped with him getting older. Mm-hmm. He feels great. He looks good. He's got a good tan. I do have a nice tan. Good right surf now. session. Just, no, no surf sessions. South at all. swell pumping. I need a south swell. A frames. What's up, nerds? <laughs> Just kidding. We're all part of the same <laughs> tribe. It's dead out here, you sponger. It's dead out here, you sponger. That's okay. right. I sponge up the whole ocean. Anyway, you guys know that one. You know that one. He's we got it down. <laughs> What's his name? I always forget his name. It's not Don Ready. It's not Don Ready. How much does a polar Kenny bear weigh? Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers, dude. Kenny Powers, he's our boy. Kenny Powers is my spirit animal because <laughs> just like Kenny Powers, I listen to my own motivational tapes in the morning <laughs> in my Forerunner. It's quite the day. Analog. We got some good questions today. We do have some good questions today, and we're, we're excited to share them it. with you. We are going to ease back into it because the store is about to open. We've been extremely busy. Yeah, let's do a update corner. Update corner with Jer. I li- <laughs> <laughs> downtown <laughs> where all the lights are bright downtown <laughs> go downtown oh honey i haven't done that in years <laughs> yeah this uh oh look at that box one of our first of many amazon deliveries for our downtown location how shout about out, amazon huh uh, shout out to amazon buying that place called whole foods market whole foods the place of scandals <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, updates. We have hired 15 people. That is more than doubling our current staff and are in process of training them for our downtown location. For all y'all who uh, came and interviewed, thank you so much for coming. If you didn't make the cut, don't worry. We haven't forgotten about you. Uh, You definitely still have an opportunity to come along for the journey in the future. but yeah, we're going to open, I think, you know, two-ish weeks from now. We're in pretty hardcore final, our, our final, what do we call that? Health inspection, right? Final this countdown. Monday. This Monday, which is probably about when some of you will be reading this, listening to this. Reading it. You'll be reading it on the internet. Reading it on your Kindle. show notes. Does this thing get transcribed to Kindle would yeah. maybe be the next level? So we're doing that. We've been running a lot of classes. It's been fun. Um, it's the only time that our company will likely double in size or more than more double than in doubling. size. Yeah, it's kind of an that intimidating won't happen feeling. Because if we add another store, then you know we'll get a little bit more, but not over double. No, yeah, it's a lot of people. 
And it's definitely been like an, a gnarly little run for the last few weeks. So the crazy part is it's working. We have a really amazing staff coming on and we learned a ton from the store opening and my leadership team, our leadership team is crushing both in retail and roasting. Chris has All a retail around. team and uh, a leadership team in roasting. So that's why I said mine because I'm in charge of retail right now. But Jerry's a real selfish guy. Yeah. I'm Listen like, to the podcast prior and you yeah. can hear about how much of an asshole like, he is. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. <laughs> Don't pass to him. He sucks. Don't pass it to him. <laughs> He'll dribble out of bounds. He's, it's all bad. So, yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. Uh, the final push is here. We're going to set up the shop, and it leads us kind of to a, one of our first questions, right? Somebody wrote into one, your YouTube channel with a question, right, Chris? Yeah, someone – I put up a little snippet of orientation, and someone says, what do you guys talk about orientation? Is it like seed to cup? Because the snippet was – our video that we show about coffee. Oh, right. And it's like coffee history, coffee processing, coffee thingy, coffee whatever. And our orientations generally run about two hours. Yeah. And maybe about five minutes of that to 10 at the most is dedicated to talking about coffee. Yeah, that's 100% true. So there's a video on a really quick basic seed to cup video, which is basically designed to get someone who has no prior knowledge of where coffee comes from, the kind of basics of what coffee is. Like, it's a fruit. It grows on this evergreen shrub. This is where it grows. Here's some key indicators of quality. And, like, it's things that we take for granted, but people just get their mind blown because they don't even know that it's a fruit. And then the bean is, like, the seed or the pit of the fruit. And they're like, what the what? So there's just an emotional connection there. Um, and then we wrap about that for maybe one or two more minutes, and then that is it. Yeah. But the bulk of orientation revolves around our mission, our vision, and our values, and basically setting people up to be able to navigate life at Cat and Cloud. Yeah. I mean, their job, if we do a good job at orientation, they're going to be really comfortable stepping behind the counter without all the knowledge, they're going to feel really comfortable in knowing what they're attempting to do and how they're trying to make people feel. And I think orientations are often missed opportunities and, and they do revolve a ton around coffee knowledge uh, before they talk about people skills. Which, I mean, coffee knowledge is like pretty useless in the sense of that like, okay, if we go to, if you go to orientation and someone teaches you for two hours about coffee, then you've got all this coffee knowledge. And then you go to work in the cafe and there's a million things that happen on the day-to-day -day in the cafe that are completely unpredictable. Right. And you're going to have to navigate a ton of these situations. That coffee knowledge doesn't help you navigate the situation. But if you go to orientation and you get a good idea of like what the company values, the bigger mission of the company, yeah. what you know a service delivery model is, all these little things or quirks can happen in the cafe and you instantly know how to respond to them even if you haven't had any specific training on that precise incident. Yeah, and that's the goal, right? The appropriate amount, the ability to assert yourself in the right way with with little to no training happens and we consistently see it happening. And then it also in turn makes all of our training easier when we do right. an orientation like this. Because people know what's expected from them. They know what the whole, they know what we're about. Yeah, they know we're why we're somewhere. even doing it. Yeah. It's, so that is kind of the bulk of our orientation. There's, there's actually more, there's, there's a lot of history. Yeah. Tons so, of history. How do we all meet? Why is this company even a thing? Looks like we're getting a big delivery of some gear. Lots of Amazon stuff. All of our new cafe stuff's oh, coming cool. in hot. If that cord gets unplugged, we're out. So just don't unplug warning. our cord. Don't Chuck. unplug us, Chuck. 
Chuck's so trying to Chuck's, <laughs> Chuck's trying to save money on electrical, so he's gonna unplug our podcast. <laughs> Chuck just flipped me off. <laughs> Did you just flip me off? I probably deserved no. it. <laughs> I was probably asking for it. No, I didn't. No, I didn't well, flip you off at why all. Why would I do that? <laughs> I mean, I just I it just came to me in the moment, man. You, it was a ring finger it flip. Was a ring off. Finger. It wasn't the real deal. You know the finger goose. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. We're exchanging in foreign relations. Yes, ma'am. Um, yeah, where we come from, our journey to get here. It's always really powerful to hear about how people's dreams. And I think story is huge because with any company, especially a company that sells, you know, every company has companies that sell similar products. Like yep. there's a ton of people who sell coffee. If you're right. in fashion, there's a ton of people that make clothes. If you're in food, there's a ton of restaurants. But the one thing that you have that nobody else has is your own unique story of how you got there and why this is important to you. And if people understand that, it means so much more to them to be behind the counter in your cafe or to be roasting coffee in your roastery because they're connected to like a bigger sense of purpose and a much bigger story than like, yep, this is a coffee shop, serve people coffee, cool. Right. And one of my favorite things to do is make sure you get to see all the traits that you assumed were there in your interview process come to life and you get to see them ignite over us essentially telling the truth about what we're, what we're talking about. They get to come and say, Oh, these guys aren't blowing smoke. And then in beyond that, plugging people into uh, a vision of what their future could look like, should they stick around and work hard for us? And that you can just see people get lit up. And by the end of the orientation, they're excited to come to work. And even the ones who maybe are, Actually, the people we hire are coffee geeks second and people people first, to be all honest with everybody. Coffee is not. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he, so, uh, a guy um, yelled at us on the street. He yeah. likes us. He works at Verve. He got me my coffee this morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a cool kid. He's cool, dude. Yeah, yeah like that he's guy. super tight. Good vibes. It's tight vibes. Positive dude. vibes. Came to get some toast and a cappuccino from Didn't us. Didn't nice. Thank Just you. having a nice lunch break. Dude. Sharing the love. Sharing the love. Chris went to Verve today. Verve came to us today. It's cool dot cool times. I brought my preheated mug over there and said, Did "Be careful. Be- it's hot." Uh-oh. Uh-oh. New it's bath hot. mats are in. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be amped. Uh, yeah, dude. So that's that's generally a huge portion of our orientation goes to speaking about our values, how they fit in, our experience delivery model, which you can um, hear if you go back to both Chris and I's uh, presentation uh, podcast from episodes prior, uh, not too far back, two, three episodes back. We, can, we talk about these things a lot. And it's essentially... You, you can even talk about or you hear some of the things we directly say in orientation for those who haven't listened back that far. So that's, that's, that's orientation. generally orientation yeah. in a nutshell. I mean, we put a lot of work into the whole thing. But if you're thinking about having an orientation and you're not sure where to start, I would say just start with the things that are important to you and start with telling your story because those things are going to be like incredibly unique to you. Especially when an era where like a lot of markets are like really, really saturated. Like you can have a business out of thin air. You Simon know what I mean? Cynic, start with why. You re- it's really like legit. I mean, that's like going to be like your biggest differentiating value proposition is like if you have a little bit of money, you can like easily find good green coffee. You can easily buy right. a roaster. You can easily hire a consultant to show you how to roast those things. Like that's no big deal. There could be potentially like hundreds, thousands like of different coffee companies. And then again, same thing with clothes, same thing with anything. But I think the people that are going to be more memorable are the people that have like this just deeper, deeper story. It's hard to convince someone that like you should care because we'd make the best. 
Yeah, I just I I personally don't. It's ever like buy everybody into that. makes the best, right? It's yeah. like a whole course. Like cool. every time I roll into a place and somebody Sick says something, marketing campaign. Yeah, I'm like, this better taste really, really good, and I better feel something when I'm out of here. Yeah, you have to feel it. If I don't, it doesn't matter to me how cool your stuff is. Um, what's really cool? Somebody actually so they listened to the podcast last week uh, of your birthday shoutouts, and it was super cool. And Got then my they had a couple questions based on that. They're like, you know what? It had me thinking, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, shout out to Luis Umberto. He first asked this question, when, how did you come up with the Trubaca handle? This one is funny. You got this one. Yeah, Yeah. I got this one. We, Chris and I, when Chris came to work at Verve in like 2009 or whatever, just prior to that, we went on a camping trip with some of, at the time, like big boy and telly folks. So we went on and, and Brent fortune. So drew Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin. Whatever. We'll call him Kitty. Kitty Catlin, who now is a, a big boy, Caitlin, <laughs> works roasts coffee for uh, for Stumptown. He, a guy named Devin Petey and Ryan Wilbur, who is now with uh, La Marzocco, a great guy, and Brent Fortune, we all went on this camping trip and it began this kind of string of hangouts. We would always hang out and meet up. And at one point at a hangout, hang out uh devin pd was up and he's all yeah you got your trubacas going on over here freaking trubaca trubaca and he said it like a hundred times and we're like that's kind of cool Sick. <laughs> and it's so, like kind of wookie-ish yeah, but pretty fresh like, yeah i was like that's that's clever girl two names mashed together and uh oddly that same year i guess that was probably 2010 at this point yeah and that- then at right? the USBC was yeah. the first time that i remember somebody else called us it. someone called us it that was pretty funny we were walking up to this bus stop yeah, because we were gonna go take a. T- we we're going to the Intelli Roastery. We were going to the right? Intelli Roastery in Silver Lake, or not in Silver Lake, wherever it was. It was Silver Lake. Er, well, this cafe was in Silver Lake, and then the roastery was somewhere else. Echo Park, maybe. Nah, I don't even know, dude. But yeah, it was in Los Angeles. It was in L- Los area, L.A. Yeah, and we were walking up the bus stop, and someone's like, "Oh, Chewbacca's here." And we're, and like, we're like, "Well, there it oh, is. That's freaking sweet. We're Chewbacca now." Yeah, I was pretty psyched <laughs> on that. Yeah, and then Chris, yeah, went on to get second in that competition. I got tenth, and. In the nation, guys. In the okay. nation. In the nation. And then, um, and then we, <laughs> we soon hard. after that is when we created the one and one on our uh, Trubaca blog. So we started the Trubaca blog. <gasps> and I almost died right now. Our first ever video, which we also show in orientation. Our first ever video on the Trubaca blog was a picture of the one and one, which happened to come out of a. Basically, uh, after that competition, Verve required myself, Sarah Peterson, and Chris to make all of our signature beverages for this huge event. And it was crazy busy, and we ran out of everything because there was more people than we expected, and that's great. And I had to end up serving a a single macchiato and a single espresso. I didn't have any flatware for it, so I threw both of them on a cappuccino cup and balanced it. And the person's all, what do you call this? And Chris and I kind of looked at each other simultaneously, and we're all, the one and one. And they're like, oh, cool. So yeah, shortly after that, a bunch of people were ordering them locally, and so we put the video up, and then people all over Europe wanted to put it on their menu and give us props. And we're like, "We, you could just put it on your menu. We don't need props for it. Yeah, and we're here for the industry, not for the the fame per se." But you're psyched because once shit hits Europe, dude, it's that, real deal. Freaking on, right then there. Because I got to put dude. a so international song. Yeah, you put like Eurobeat behind <laughs> it. You know that song? Oh, yeah. I got to find that song. Is that a Jay-Z song? So, or R. Kelly, probably. It might be both. It sounds good, though. On Spotify. Obviously, yeah, that was cool. So people was were like, like, we could, like, do you own the name? Can we pay you for it or whatever? And we're like, this is ridiculous. 
just who can own a tree who can own the water (laughs) (laughs) only the great spirit only the great spirit says Ernest's best buds but now it's kind of cool because you can get like people make and market like one and one trays and it's pretty funny to see that stuff and yeah yeah Claiming um, it. So that was part one. He had three questions. A three-parter. Oh, three-parter? Living in Modesto, Chris, and Chico, <laughs> Jared, mm. how did you hear about barista competitions in the first place? I'll let you go first. I was working at a coffee shop, the first coffee shop that I ever worked at, and the way that I found out about competitions was the same way that I found out about the whole rest of the specialty scene, including like latte art and all this whole thing was... Tony Serrano, who, if you listen to the birthday appreciation episode, which you did, great voice, speaks on Jared a little bit. This guy kind of came in to town, and this dude shows up, and he looks like if you've been to Modesto, it's just kind of random. Like, it's kind of oaky. It's kind of 1980s still. It feels like it's maybe 1980 over there. No disrespect to anyone's there. I got a lot of family there. But he rolls in to the shop, and you're immediately like, okay, this guy's from somewhere else. He's from, like, San Francisco, or I don't know. He looks way too slick, and he just, like, wanders up to the counter, and he's just like, what did he order? Oh, I I remember. He goes, solo cappuccino with a macchiato on the side. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck, dude? What does that mean? Who are you? And then he starts asking, like, who's in charge? Like, who's pouring latte art? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, like, at all. None of these things that you're saying make sense. So he's, like, really scary and, like, weird and, like, really intense. Especially, I was, like, so much younger. And I'm like, bro, you're tripping me out, man. But um, ended up becoming, like, kind of acquaintances with him. He had plans to open up his own cafe in Modesto because he had to be back in the valley from for some other reasons. And he was going to go on this trip to go look at different roasters and just do a little coffee crawl. So Ritual had just opened. We're, he was going to go there. He's going to go to Barefoot, this place, Cafe Organica, that Eaton Suno owned at the time go to blue bottle and just kind of taste a little bit of the rainbow. And he comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this coffee trip. Like you want to go? And I was like, Oh, I wanted to say no. Cause I was terrified of him. And like, I had to be in the car with him for like an hour and a half. And I didn't know if I was mentally prepared, but I said yes. Cause I was just so interested in the world of coffee. And through that trip, those were the first times I had like third wave coffee. The first, the first place we went was ritual. And it just like, melted my face off because they had just opened. I never had like a cappuccino prepared like that. I never had an espresso prepared like that. And I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And like that whole drive and that whole trip, he was like telling stories. He'd been to like a latte art competition. He knew about the barista competitions. And I was just like, what would they do? What they do? Who? How does it work? And got interested from there. Like the first time I ever saw one. So I like got on the internet and I was trying to find these things. And the first video I ever saw was the old school Heather Perry competition video where she was like wearing a cowboy hat and had like a, like literally had like a six shooter on her hip. It was like part of her whole facade. Das boot. Das boot. (laughs) And then I found one that was a little bit more appropriate, which was the one that she had done the year after that. And that was like the best thing that I'd found. And I found an old like Paul Bassett video who he was like the world champion like way back in the day. Those are the only two videos I could find. So I just watched those a thousand times and I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about anything, but I'm just going to copy everything these people are doing because it seems like that's what works. And that was my like headspace going into the first competition. 
crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're all, yeah, that'll do. I'll do that. Uh, so I, I got introduced kind of in a weird way by default. So I was, I was helping run the shop in Chico, the Naked Lounge, which if you go back and hear the stories, uh, I was working at the shop in Chico called the Naked Lounge and Colby Barr, who's now the owner of Verve Coffee, actually purchased that coffee shop off somebody else and ended up hiring this guy, Sean White, who is now Pine Flat Ellen, who does the flat white cups. He crushes it on the internet. You may have seen his ceramics on our website. You may have seen our ceramics in our cafe. He does an awesome job. But at that time, he had moved from the Bay Area to Chico, and he had been trained by the Coffee Conservatory. And at that time, the Coffee Conservatory was known for doing latte art. That was one of the things they did. So Sean was the first person that I ever saw do latte art. I couldn't do it at the time. I was fully like, you know, microphone guy. And so Colby brought him on. And I don't know if it was Colby or Sean who actually just like found the competition. But either way... Sean and myself were signed up and we were working with uh, the Naked Roaster in Sacramento to put together some quote unquote special coffees. Six uh, special which, coffees. Yeah, which we didn't know what that meant. So he just, you know, he bought two Tanzania pea berries of whatever, just two. We didn't know the difference. He roasted them and we just like mixed them together because we didn't really know what we were tasting for at that point. We weren't really trained. So uh, yeah, I just, I just remember hearing hey, we're going to go to this competition. And I was like, well, we're the best baristas in the world, so this is going to be sick. We're going to go crush it at this thing. And I was extremely overconfident. As you may have heard in the last episode, I got second to last. Actually, I got last place. Sean Sean disqualified, so he theoretically was... <laughs> He's <laughs> he, out. He was out via time. But, uh, yeah, he would have for sure beat me with points because he was a way more technically skilled barista at the time. But... That's pretty much what happened. We went, we learned a lot. I met Chris at that one and it was the beginning. Chris and I happened to be on the, the training machine with the Heather Perry. So Woo! funny there too, she right? Intense, the two noobs dude. get thrown on with like the most senior veteran. I was so just, scared of her. Of course, me too. And I was like, this, apparently this is how you have to be if you're a barista competitor. It's just She was like dominating the station. Yeah. She's like, like gangster. I love that Knowing her girl. now, if we needed to get in there, she totally would have let us, but it was like, she wasn't creating any space for us. Yeah. So I was like, she's all, this yeah, is just what I do. I'm just going to like leave it alone. Yeah. She won that thing. Like she won everything back she in the day. She just keeps winning. It was tight. She, yeah. Uh, she's a winner. Shout out. Huge amount of respect and thanks to Tony for introducing me to this whole situation, but also Andy Newbaum, who started Barefoot Coffee, um, doesn't have it anymore. He's he had just ran a Kickstarter for a book and is like He's bringing coffees in from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And Andy was Importer. like super, super influential in my early coffee career. So Tony's cafe that he was going to open, he was going to use Barefoot Coffee. And this was like, I was going to work there. And this is like years away from it ever actually happening. But Andy donated like all of the coffee that I used that weekend in the competition. So I got to use like really good coffee. And he also donated all the coffee that I later took that same year to the um, Nationals in Charlotte. And he offered up his practice space. So, like, the night before when I was driving to Petaluma, he's like, yeah, come up through San Jose. And, like, you can practice on our machine. So, they had, like, a Linea, which was the competition machine at the time, um, set up in the back of the Barefoot Roastery slash cafe because it was the same place. And I was like, really? He's all, yeah, just come through, like... They had all this stuff set up for me and there's like a couple other people there and we just had like a really cool like practicing moment. I made espresso for like, you know, a couple hours. I'd never made the coffee before, but I mean, the guy gave me like 
probably in total like 50 ish plus pounds of coffee and like access to his space. And this was like a guy who I didn't really know, like we weren't friends, but he was just like feeling the vibes. And I just thought that was like, that's like really cool. Cause he was in a place to help someone else out. There's like right. literally nothing for him to gain from this. Totally. I was nobody like literally nobody. What was your motivation then for, for competing? You know, like before you, what was your motivation for just like going for it the first time ever? I'm a really competitive person. Yeah. So I like the aspect of competition. Like I really love like sports. Me too. In the sense of just like, I don't, there's like a certain energy that you get from one being part of a team, but two doing something like really intensely because you know that there's some like kind of goal at the end. Right. Um, and life is like that in general, but the idea of a competition or a game or something just like kind of condenses that and I get so much energy out of it. Right. So that was like part of the thing. It's like to, and then the second part of it was like, I was really, really interested in the idea of espresso specifically. Right. So I'd always been a coffee drinker and we grew up drinking like black coffee. But then when I got my job at the first shop, there was this guy who was drinking espresso and I just immediately became like enchanted by the idea of espresso. And through that little tour, I was like, Oh my gosh. So I just felt like I needed to understand like what was happening and I knew that's where I needed to be to figure that out because there was no forum right there was no there's no real place to go for resources so I was like all right I'm gonna do this thing and we're gonna see how it goes and like I think a lot of new baristas have this thing and you definitely had this thing to where it's like you feel like you, you know I'm pretty good there's like a there's yeah. like a 75 percent chance that I could like maybe win this thing you know like I'm, I'm definitely at the top of my game right you go learn a ton. Then you get there and you're like, oh, the game is bigger than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember my motivation kind of being from the place of like proving that I could be good at something. Yeah. So like while I, th I was as good as I get locally, right? I was like semi fresh out of high school, like not going to college. I, w I went to private school. So all of my friends were like going to be doctors and be all these like really big deal professional jobs that take, you know, many years of schooling. And I found myself like pretty self-conscious that I was not interested in that. And it was interesting to like, if I like were honest and reflecting back on that, I was trying to essentially prove that I was like valuable in my own way by doing good at competition. Right. And it's so like that a, was interesting. A sense of like validation and self-worth and yeah. like the career path they've chosen because it absolutely doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, totally. And so I remember, <laughs> I remember it being both that and, so it was always that, and then it was always, and it still is, if I were ever to do it again, the ability to just represent your company, right? It was, it's even like, even if I didn't win, so if I didn't win, I would have like a little bit of an internal frustration, but that would just be opportunity for improvement, and I was okay with that. But if I went in and I made an impact, then I would be stoked because my company would be like on the map on a cool level, and people would want to come see right. me, therefore my company would get more business. And that was always from the naked lounge through, it was the ability to say, yeah, I went to the competition and like, you can say worst case scenario, I'm in the top 30 baristas in the Southwest United States. And that's a true statement on paper. Right. So at that time I was like, <laughs> I got this statement at least. And I learned a ton and then I come back better and talk to people and like about nobody it. really knows anymore, and but it's like kind of cool. Their customers <laughs> are like, wow, top 30. And yeah. that's pretty nice. Yeah, And the whole state. It's wow. pretty good. You're like, yeah, there are 40 people in exactly. the competition. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on the low key, that, dude. <laughs> but then, yeah, you tell them about the story and you come back excited and you learned a lot and you're ready to go back next year. And, so yeah, that was, that was kind of my motivation. It is funny though, to look back and be like, 
I was really just trying to prove that I could be as good as I felt like I could be. Right. It's like, yeah. but it, whether I, whether I was there or not. And the frustrating thing is nerves so much of the time got the best of me in competition. Like mostly you're like surprisingly nervous on stage for how chill you are in real life. Yeah, it was at least definitely a self-conscious wise. thing. No, no, no. I mean, it was it was all the above. The only time I was never nervous was the one the one one th- run through in the finals where I won at Santa Cruz. It was the only time in my entire life I've never been nervous. I went in there, I felt good, and I won. But even before that, I 100% thought I wasn't even going to make the finals. I had like what I thought was the worst run through in my entire life. Yeah, shook like crazy, felt terrible, like carried myself really weird, and then and then found out at the other side of the whole weekend that I won that day as well. But it's just like, that's, it's so weird how self-consciousness and anxiety can like take you down that hard. It's a pretty sick feeling. (laughs) When I won the regionals, that was my uh, semifinals experience too. I remember like being upstairs, like in a corner, like in a ball. And I'm just like, man, I was like primed and I just, just fucked the whole thing big time. Breathe the water. It was not good. But yeah, competition's like the weird, it's like the weirdest thing. It was kind of fun to be able to come back and tell people like, what do you do? And you're like, Oh, I make coffee. They're like, what? And you're like, yeah, I was just in the like barista competition. And they're like barista championship. And you're like, yeah, I'm like top whatever in the nation. Jared almost died, but he's back. I did. Still got, <laughs> he still got some water in his, <sighs> I breathed it in and it was a little like, <sighs> it was a tickle throat. He had the pucker going hard. I was just trying to do a slow breathe, you know, so you get the oxygen in and just jack the water out. You're all <clears throat> it's all better, you guys. Stop worrying about me all the time. He doesn't shake anymore. <sighs> he doesn't shake. <laughs> I don't know if I would. I would probably shake less now because I've proved some things to myself that would, uh, would have probably had me more shaky back then. I'd still be nervous, though. I'd be really excited, too, though. I don't know what I would do now if I ended up there. Yeah, I'm a different person now. I don't know if I if I'm interested at all. Yeah, actually, I would be like, yeah, maybe I'll go get a snack. Yeah, I feel like my time in in being interested in competition is over. <clears throat> Same. I'd rather do something else for people. I still want to impact on... human beings. That's the problem. There, I can with like ideas, but not individually. Impact is limited. <clears throat> Very. It'd be better if someone from staff like <laughs> did the yeah, competition. We will do that. Not us. We'll do that yeah. and they'll learn and they'll talk and it'll be awesome. Cause it's like worth, it's like, I don't know. We talk about this all the time. It's like worthless for us to do it at this point. Our jobs have changed. It has nothing to do with us. But then like the return on investment coffee. from us doing it, like culturally, or, like you say, impact wise, like if someone like Natalie did a breeze competition, oh man, it would be way more impactful for like the whole company culture for her personally. And for the rest of our staff, than if we just decided to be like, we're going to do it. And then like, we do it again. And like people kind of get excited, but then like that enthusiasm ultimately goes away right? because no one really has a new experience to draw from. Yeah. Whereas if someone on staff who's never done it before does it, then they have a brand new experience. And that's like really, really cool. Well, and we're teaching teachers here anyway. That's what we want to do. So like us doing it again, doesn't allow us to teach anybody anything new. Yeah. People I mean, I might hate me from do- for saying this, but if you've done a barista competition like three times, just stop. Do something else. <laughs> Don't like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, unless I you totally, have to win. I understand the desire to just want to win so bad. Like, I totally understand that. And it's like really frustrating to be in those situations. Like, I get it, but I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm like, 
whatever. I'm trying to think of the pros and cons in my mind, and I'm like, pro, you won. You get some sponsorships. You get some love. You get some fame. I guess it just depends on like what your goals are. Right. And everything is just like, it's like an, everything has an associated opportunity cost to it. So there was a time, like in 2010, I was just like, okay, let's like, let's do this thing. So the year, I'd taken a year off, but the year before that, I got fourth in the U.S. And then in 2010, I got second in the U.S. and just really, really wanted to get it so hard. And then the next year, I got third. And I was like, okay, if I can like maintain like this top six consistency, I'll feel like I'm like in part of the game. But then something happened to where it's like, okay, like out of all the time, energy, money, like frustration and stress that I'm spending on this, like I could be doing so much more good in the world. Right. Because honestly, like there were two people who were benefiting from that. One was me personally, which is important. Like you want to feel good about what you're doing. So I was getting like the personal benefit of being like, one of the top barista competitors or whatever that right. means. And then the second thing was, like you said before, the company. Right. Like, it was cool. So, Ferv's like, yeah, we've got some of the top baristas. This guy's been in the final, like, three times and, like, super Buy sick. Beans. Yeah. So, like, our coffee must be good. And that was, like, valuable to me then, for sure. But there was just something missing. I'm like, there's got to be, like, more than this now it's obvious what that more is because here we are here we are and like this whole thing exists and it's like it's like painfully obvious that if i took out like all the hours that i would have practiced training for barista competition and just did that and didn't do anything with the staff or the business that that would be a waste even if we won like the usbc like the gain that we would have is not as much as the gain that we would have if we took all that time and energy and focused on training or employee growth It'd actually be interesting to talk to all the world champions and see how many of them had an easy time after they won with their year for one, but then after that year of being the champion, like what their lives ended up being and if it actually ended up being harder for them to like secure a career in that you're so qualified, right? That like a lot of companies wouldn't feel comfortable taking you on. It just, I don't know how I'd feel. Like where would you, it almost feels like you, you've in a way isolated yourself and it might take some interesting hard work and thought and strategy to find your right place back after that for right. me I, like that's what i see i like i'm no, thinking I about it you. right i'm like okay morrissey he ended up being really good at it sounds like education and marketing so he got plugged in and he did something there for a long time and then phillips he did his combination of things where you know <clears throat> he seems like he's in a pretty good place yeah blue bottle and then he got into blue bottle so that was really cool and helpful and you know did the handsome thing and then Lem's been with Counterculture, so that's been... I guess he didn't do Worlds, but uh, Gwillem, he did his own thing. He had his own cafe deal, so that's been cool. And then you're obviously locked in. Who else? The Alejandro. And then Raul, he's got himself a cafe. It's just interesting to see Hoffman, cafe. So you either become a business owner or... And then Pete, right? He's got, got his consulting gig going, He's been and he's working on some other kind of big, fun things, educational and website-y. Which, and then I think it's interesting to break down like some of those people's strengths right. and weaknesses that might not have anything to do with winning a competition or not. Like, I feel right. like as long as I can remember, Mike Phillips has been passionate about education. Even when he was working at like Intelli in sure. Chicago. I, the first time I met him, I think was in Seattle. We were at some bar together and like, I remember he had a, 
like a messenger bag with like a bank bike crank on it and like a porta filter like patch or something. Right. We talked for a while. He arguably would like probably be in pretty close to the same place that he is now with just like a US win and some good performance because he's like talented. Someone like James is like real benefit in my mind is that he's been consistently writing about coffee for like well over a decade and never misses a beat. Right. And I think that gives him authority and like his WBC thing, I'm for sure boosted that a little bit, but I think as time goes on, it's less about that and more about his just constant presence. Right. And I don't, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. but I'm, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm like trying to think of like, is there like a WBC champ that like we would even consider close to hiring? And like, what are like the implications of that? Like, totally, weird. it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like I remember, I remember Stephen Morrissey being really good at making coffee, but also he had like this fun, strategic mind and the way he thought about things. And I liked the way he thought about things. He was pretty fun and funny. There's a lot. Yeah, people are so different out there. Pete's obviously like the king competitor, and he's like so analytical. And I've talked about Pete a bunch on this thing because I really, really like Pete. He's so rad to me, and he's just—it's probably because the way you you think Pete is, is completely different than who Pete is. Right. And that's my favorite thing about Pete. <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of those people, when they're doing what they're doing, don't have the push pull that someone like you or I would have to comp or like to allocate time and resources right now. Right. So like when someone like Mike wins, he's just like an employee of somewhere else in the sense mm. that like when we were doing well, we were employees somewhere else. And there's like a ton more flexibility with being an employee because it's the responsibility of the company really isn't on our shoulders. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have that type of responsibility. No, not at that point. I would have been like, it would have been cool to have that type of responsibility, but we just didn't. Yeah. So it's like kind of an easy decision. You're like, yeah, shit, I'll, I'll spend some time training. Right. Like, no big deal. Like whatever. But then when there's something so glaring in front of your face where it's like, yeah, I don't know. There hasn't been a, a woman winner for the WBC yet, has there? Am I tripping? I don't know. I honestly can't remember too many of the WBC winners except for the ones that I personally know. <laughs> I know. So people, if don't, don't think like, we're like, we're not sitting here doing our research. We're just memorizing. Like, I'm remembering the people that I physically have talked to that have won the WBC. So that is why. <laughs> <laughs> if I mistakenly named or didn't name somebody, that is why. Uh, cool. I mean, that's was just... Was there one more part to Homeboy's question? No, that was it. It was the motivation we just talked about. Motivation to compete. Oh, motivation. Motivation. Somebody else asked us about what uh, POS system we're using for... And I can just quickly answer. It's Revel. Uh, Revel POS systems. It's They're reveal. really fun. Yeah, it's revealed. They do, they do a really great job with paperless and back-end accounting and... Um, I believe that was Benjamin Put who actually emailed us. Curious case of Benjamin Putin. Pudding. Vladimir Putin. But uh, more so, I'm just, I was really excited to get back and just chat with my bro a little get bit. Back you know, in the shout podcast out to the crew. Game. It's been a little, you know, it's been a little bit of a stressful couple of weeks. It'll continue to be stressful, but I mean, store number two is about to open and I, I can't say enough about actually how amazing it's going to be to open up a second store. And honestly, for how stressful it's been, how far ahead our staff is compared to any other staff I've worked with. It's Looking my mind. back on the first store, I'd, I'd say the first store, like there's like six. <laughs> we're in like, we're back in on the first seven store, and a half, by the way. Yeah. On, on this store here, or we're eight. in such a better place, like training wise, staff wise, even with some of the staff that's like the same because right. the retention has been awesome. Like everyone's so much 
better equipped to handle what's about to go down. Yeah. So in that way, it feels like really, really good. That's right. And it's just uh, like a good feeling. Cause like when we open, it's just like in any other business opening, like here, it's like, Oh crap. Like for the first, however long it's like, we're there all the time. You're figuring out the systems as you go, no matter what, like work you do ahead coffee of on time. The fly. Roasting coffee on the fly, like doing the whole thing. Like, cool. But yeah, it's all locked It's come in. a long way. It's kind of It crazy. really has. It's so easy to see like everything that needs to improve and all the like potentially negative things, areas where we're weak, but there's like so many areas where we're really, really strong. Yeah. Thank you, team. Oh, and shout out to Sam. It's his birthday today. Is it Sam's birthday? Yeah. We're not going to do a whole podcast episode because I haven't, I haven't known you personally well enough, but I can just tell you, Sam, I know you're very strong, capable, literally strong, literally strong because of CrossFit, human being strong because you're awesome. And you're a very capable leader, and I'm very happy to have you on the team. Sam's pretty cool. I don't know him that well either. I used to think he sold weed, which he does not. No, but that's because he put his name Lime Green Everything. He used to, his name is Lime Green Everything. And then when we worked at Verve, he used to come in and sit down in the cafe, and he had this hat that was a black hat with this little green logo, and it always reminded me of the Dr. Dre, like, Chronic 2001 oh, yeah. logo. And I was like, that guy sells weed for sure. But he doesn't. There's his wife right there. His wife is Kristen. She also works here. She is one of my head honchos. Also probably doesn't sell weed. They just she got a new dog, doesn't though. Sell weed. Yeah. <laughs> she sells positive vibes. And they have a rabbit. That was the Sam podcast episode for mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, that was just dropping Sam. so much knowledge. No, okay. Rabbit, dog. Yeah. I was just because she was walking there. I told Kristen and, Sa- and, and not Sam and Tanner, who are Tanner's our original employee. Kristen is actually basically our second employee in a way, but uh, I was effing blown away yesterday. I was downtown and or two days ago and we were all talking about things and Kristen had, for the first time in my life, somebody else besides me had put together the list of things that needed to get done so the store could open. <laughs> and I was in the process of making it and like stressing out amongst all the other things, right? The details. She's all, here's the big old list. I'd love to get this ordered today. And oh, I yeah, was I like, saw that email is tight. And then you're all, and then, yeah. So I'm just, I'm going to just like publicly shout out both Tanner and Kristen because I just, I've never experienced people who are like in it like that. And it is so sick and it takes so much stress off of me because it's a lot to think about and it's a lot to hang on. And I mean, they're both working on coordinator trainings and leadership trainings on their own time and they're ready to help us deliver them and it's just insane to know that first of all they're going to do it in a way that makes sense for our business and second they're like actually Kristen's like a better teacher than I am for sure she's insane they've got what it takes they can see the matrix you're the best around no one's gonna take you down you're the best around Hey, thanks for listening to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. I can hold out for way longer. <laughs> Kenny G blows, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Careless whispers. I'm off key, dude. How do we do this? I lost it. I have to pee very bad. All right. We'll see you later. Catch you on the flip. Have a great weekend, y'all. Bye.